1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, so I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. We've been in this series for a year now, The Truth About Money. I felt led by the Holy Spirit of God in December of 2019 to deal with money. It had been many years, many years since we had dealt with money on a Sunday morning series. And little did I know that we were headed into this coronavirus madness. So this series has served us well. And uh, we didn't exactly walk chronologically through the Bible, but we more or less marched through the Bible chronologically to see what the Bible has to say about money. Our two launching texts have been Matthew 6.21. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In verse 33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Now, because of the context, we know that he's talking about clothing and food and the necessities of life. He says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So this morning, let's talk about Jesus, and let's talk about Melchizedek. If you're taking notes, number one, Jesus is a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Number one, Jesus is a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is not a priest in the lineage of Aaron and Levi. Jesus is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, because of the amount of material, it's going to take two Sundays to cover this message. And uh, so that's the, that's the negative. The positive is I don't have to try and rush through it. This is something, I mean, I'm 65 years old, and even though the Bible specifically says six times that Jesus is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, I'm 65 and I've never heard a sermon on the order of Melchizedek. This is crazy. You'd be hard-pressed to find anything in the Bible six times. When we come across something in the Bible two or three times, we, we highlight it, we, you know, we underline it. It's a big deal. But this is in the Word of God six times. Jesus is a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Aaron's priesthood had to do with sinning, whereas Melchizedek's priesthood had to do with winning. Luke chapter 3 tells us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not born into the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. No, she was born into the tribe of Judah, the tribe of royalty. Matthew chapter 1 tells us that Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, was also not born into the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. No, he was born into the tribe of Judah, the tribe of royalty. So think about this. All of our lives, we have been led to believe that Jesus sits there at the right hand of God in the lineage of Aaron and Levi to forgive us of our sins, when in reality, he is not even qualified to hold that post. Hebrews 7.15. Now, let me ask you, as we get into this, 
is Hebrews 7.15 in the Old Testament or is Hebrews 7.15 in the New Testament? Hebrews 7.15, and what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. Verse 22, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Verse 27, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Chapter 8, verse 6. Chapter 8, verse 6. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one and it is founded on better promises. Now this has really been the quandary of my 47 years preaching the gospel. I said a couple of weeks ago I've been in the ministry 44 years. I've been married 44 years but I've been in the ministry 47 years preaching the gospel 47 years. All right, so how can how can Christians have a superior covenant? How can Christians have a superior high priest? How can Christians have superior promises and consistently get inferior results? Now, I, I'm going to be plain, not for the sake of slamming any group, but I want to be plain about Christianity. How can Christianity have a superior high priest how can Christianity have a superior covenant? How can Christianity have, a superior, have superior promises and yet Christians consistently get worse results than Jewish folk? And it's worse than that. Tell your neighbor, it's worse than that. Because of preachers. We have trained the culture. Preachers have trained the culture that Christians ought not have anything. When was the last time you read a newspaper article where they were condemning a rabbi for the car he drove? They would not touch that with a 10-foot pole. When was the last time you read online some scathing article about the house a rabbi lived in? No. You know, when I was doing my Master of Divinity degree, it was required. It was required that we attend a service at a synagogue. I found it very interesting. But on later, years later, when Austin was doing the Master of Divinity degree, he was required to attend a service at a Jewish synagogue. But the one he went to was that much more interesting because on that day they were baptizing people into the Jewish faith which I thought was very interesting. Actually, frankly, I didn't even know they did that. So, but when he, when he came back, I said, uh, tell me about it. He said, oh my gosh, Dad, he said the parking lot. You know, we're car people. So, you know, he, he's talking about the parking lot. Oh my gosh, you know, you know, Porsches and Mercedes and Range Rovers, and he's talking about the parking lot. See, why do God's people of the new covenant consistently get worse results than God's people of the old covenant. And I blame the seminaries and I blame the preachers because the people can't believe any further than their knowledge of the word of God. And if the people have never been taught what to shoot for, then how are they going to believe God and shoot for a higher goal. Now, I'm not knocking any group. You know, I bless Jerusalem and I bless all of Abraham's seed, his natural seed. I'm just saying from the Word of God, from the New Testament, we have a superior high priest. We have superior promises. We have a superior covenant. And yet, people just assume that Christians ought not have anything. You read about this in social media all the time. You know, how dare so-and-so have two houses? How dare so-and-so 
uh, dress like that. How dare so-and-so live at that level? And what we have done, I mean, 2021, we let them have everything. They control TV, they control the media, they control the radio waves, they control the TV waves, they control movies, they control all of it. They control all of it. Because preachers taught God's people that they ought not have anything. And you have to understand, I've, I've heard all the criticisms, I just don't care. Well, if Pastor Gene were humble, he'd ride a donkey like Jesus rode a donkey. Well, they don't even realize when you go into the Old Testament, you read about the kings going here, the kings going there, they rode donkeys. Now, if I was a king, I wouldn't ride a donkey in ancient days. I'd have some Arabian stallion or something. But that's not what they did. Culturally, they rode donkeys. Why? I don't know. I wouldn't. I'd be counterculture and I'd go with something faster. <laughs> if Pastor Gene was really humble, he'd wear sandals. Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Nobody, Carolyn May, I see her here this morning, am I right, sister? Nobody from Detroit, no male from Detroit wears sandals. Am I right? See her shaking her head? No, ain't gonna happen. And uh, certainly not with socks. <laughs> Something really wrong with that. <laughs> I, they've not even been taught. We are children of the Most High God. Lift both hands. Say, thank you, Father God. Thank you you God. have made us made children, children of the Most High God. Do you sense his pleasure in the room? Lift your hands again. Say, thank you, Father God. You have made us children of the Most High God. Well, I, I don't want my children to live on welfare or disability or, or live in Section 8 housing. What kind of parent would want that? See, and Christian people accuse God of things that we put people in prison for. Well, a little boy was run over by a car. Well, God needed another flower in his garden, so he caused a car to run over that little boy. No. No, there's nothing about that in the Bible whatsoever. People, uh, you know, the Lord put this disease on me to teach me. We accuse God on a regular basis of stuff that we put people in prison for. And unfortunately, people learned all this nonsense in church. And it's wrong. Lift both hands and say, thank you, Father God. You're wonderful. Thank you, Father God. You're beautiful. Thank you, Father God. You are my Father. And you bless me. Amen. 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 And, and then we have another problem. You can't evaluate Father God by your natural father. Actually, I flipped that coin over, and that's when I went whole hog for faith. That's when I went, because the father I had had some nickels, but he didn't share any nickels with me. But when I found out that my beautiful, wonderful, heavenly father was willing to share, I was gone. That's all it took. And I was gone. What kind of person would be rich and not share with their children? And whatever definition you have of rich, God's richer than that. Hallelujah. The gold is his, the silver is his, the cattle on a thousand hills are his, and the hills the thousand cattle graze on. That's all his. Amen. The earth is his, the sun is his, Jupiter's his, Saturn's his, and there's no telling what kind of minerals are on those planets. There's no telling. There's no telling how much gold is out there, platinum. There's no telling, and God owns all of it. Amen. And, and yet people want me to believe that he wants me to, to, to not have two nickels to rub together. God wants me to wear the same britches I've been wearing for 20 years. God wants me, my children to not have shoes. Are you kidding me? I'll tell you what, frankly, I think God 
has been angered by a lot of this because they're besmirching his name. They're slandering God. He's wonderful. He's beautiful. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's generous. Hallelujah. I mean, if you go into his presence thinking, you know, he's uh, stingy and he's cheap and he doesn't want to answer your prayer and he wants you sick, what kind of results are you going to get? But if you go into his presence, Father, you're beautiful. Father, you're wonderful. Father, you're glorious. Father, you're gracious. Father, you're merciful. Father, you're generous. You are my El Shaddai. Well, it just stands to reason you're going to get better results. Doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? So Jesus is a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And we know this from six references in the word of God. Psalm 110 verse 4. Psalm 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now the other five. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, the next five are in the New Testament. Hebrews 5, 6. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 5, 8 to 10, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7, verse 11, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the law was given to the people. Why was there still a need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. So we know from Hebrews 7, 11, that the, that the priesthood Jesus stands in is not in the order of Aaron. Verse 17, for it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So just there I gave you six references demonstrating that Jesus is our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, and yet I have never heard a sermon on Jesus serving in the order of Melchizedek. Seems kind of basic, doesn't it? If we have six references telling us that Jesus is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, it would seem to me that we had better find out what this order of Melchizedek is all about because this is the position that Jesus now holds. Jesus is not a high priest in the lineage of Aaron and Levi. We know that specifically from Hebrews 7:11. Rather, Christ is a high priest in the lineage of Melchizedek. And what was Melchizedek's function in the life of Abraham? Genesis 14, 18. Genesis 14, 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So what is this? What is going on here? It is the pronouncement of the blessing. Say it out loud. It is the pronouncement of the blessing. I mean, the reality is when churches are operating, a lot of people go to church and they get the pronouncement of the curse. 20 years ago or so, it was a Easter Sunday night. You know, we had done Easter Sunday morning. We'd done Easter Sunday evening. We went home. We were eating, unwinding, and I turned on Christian television and one of the most famous ministers in the entire Metroplex happened to be on, and it was his sermon from that morning, Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, and he was telling the sad tale about a child in the church that had gotten cancer and how it was all God's will and how God killed him and how God did it to teach the child and to teach the parents something. I turned it off. I told Sue, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. I can't watch it. The thief has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and that we might have life more abundantly. How dare a minister of the gospel accuse God of putting cancer on a child? 
These are the works of the devil, not the works of Father God. The Bible specifically says in the book of Acts that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. My point is you go to a lot of churches when they're open and the minister is not pronouncing the blessing. The minister is literally pronouncing the curse. Melchizedek pronounces the blessing over Abraham after Abraham tithed. Melchizedek blessed Abraham by pronouncing the blessing over him. And remember what Paul wrote in Galatians 3.14. Galatians 3.14, he, Jesus, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Man, you ought to study Galatians 3. You got to get your mind right. You got to study Galatians 3. The reason Christ came was so that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. He basically opened the door to the covenant to non-Jews. That's basically what this age of grace is all about. Thank God, thank God, thank God. I was born when I was born, so I can get in on this. The blessing, friends, is the reason we were saved, the reason we were redeemed. So a priest serving in the lineage of Melchizedek would do what Melchizedek did in Abraham's life. And what was that? What is the order of Melchizedek? Melchizedek's function was to pronounce the blessing over Abraham. Now, this is critical. The Melchizedek's function was to pronounce the blessing over Abraham. Melchizedek's function was to remind Abraham that the victory he had won and the plunder he had taken was because of God. Have you not seen, have you not witnessed in the last two years, four years, the immense danger of taking credit for every good thing that happens? You have not in four years heard anybody say, we give glory to God for the jobs. We give glory to God for the stock market gains. We give, no, no, me, me, look at me. It is a dangerous thing. When you are blessed by God, don't you dare take the credit. When you are blessed by God, you lift your hands and you point others to Father God and you give God the credit, the glory, and the honor. Learn a lesson from last Sunday. I stood here, I gave God the credit, the glory, and the honor for paying all this off. Then I went outside, and before I lit the mortgage on fire, I gave God the credit, the glory, and the honor for everything that has been done here. Yeah, but don't we have a part to play? Yeah, we got a part to play. That's it. Turn to your neighbor, tell them. You ain't God. And that's what those preachers should have done the last four years instead of going up there and sucking up. And right there, you know why I never got invited. Because I would have said, you ain't God. Give credit to God. Give glory to God. So Melchizedek's function was to remind Abraham that the victory he had won and the plunder he had taken was because of God. He didn't say, Abraham, you're so wonderful, we should build a monument to you. He didn't say, Abraham, you're so wonderful, we ought to build you a library. He didn't say, Abraham, you're such a genius military strategist. You and your 318 men took out those kings. He said, Abraham, 
God delivered your enemies into your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Melchizedek's function was to collect the tithe from Abraham, the man who had the promises, the man who was walking in covenant with God Most High. Question, how could we have a superior covenant with a superior high priest and superior promises, and yet the body of Christ be experiencing inferior results? And there is only one possible answer. The body of Christ has not been working the plan. The body of Christ has not been working the covenant. That's it. Oh, I know, I know. There is a second option. God failed. Well, really, we're going to go down that road? Either God failed or we failed. Now, when I say we, I don't mean you. I don't mean me. I'm talking about the body of Christ nationwide. I stood right here months and months ago, and I shared a revelation that the Lord had given me that what happens in any country when a critical mass, and he never gave me a definition for that, a critical mass of the people tithe, the nation begins to ascend. The nation comes under the blessing of the Lord. The nation comes under the protection of God. The nation comes... Now, see, a lot of y'all aren't old enough to know what I'm talking about, but I remember that. I remember that. There was a time this nation... Now, I don't remember this. This is before me. But there was a time this nation was the greatest creditor nation on the planet. Well, now you could add up all the debt of all the other countries in the world and they don't equal the debt we owe. Now, would you or would you would you call being the greatest debtor on the planet being blessed or being a curse? It's a curse. See, and this is what nobody wants to deal with. Nobody wants to deal with the reality. You get on road A, you're headed to blessing and healing and success and prosperity and ultimately heaven. You get on the other road, you're headed to disease and sickness and debt and poverty and debauchery and eventually hell. But it's a critical mass thing for our country. It's a critical mass thing for a country. Now, you could hardly go to Houston and hear John Osteen speak without John Osteen saying, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro across the earth, seeking whom he might bless. So the good news is, the good news is, the good news is, when you're faithful in 2021, uh, there aren't that many people faithful in 2021, so you come to God's attention faster. I mean, it's not like God looks out and says, oh, I can't figure out who to bless today. There's 100 million tithers in America. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, he's just trying to help you from the word of God. Amen. Amen. And the good news is it doesn't matter what's going on. God will bless you. I mean, in my annual Bible reading, I've gone through 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Now I'm in 1 Chronicles. It doesn't matter what's going on, how wicked the kings are. It doesn't matter what's going on. God will protect you when you are an obedient child of God. God will protect you where you are. Now it can all be going to heck round about you. But God will protect you if you'll be a doer of the Word of God. The George Barna survey indicates that out of all the churchgoers in the United States, churchgoers, only 3% claim to tithe. And for evangelicals, that number is 8%. And you know, you understand that whether we're talking about all churchgoers or evangelicals, some of them are lying. So 8% of evangelicals, 3% of the churchgoers nationwide. So we're basically probably talking about 1% of the population. So it's no wonder to me then that Christians are the tail and not the head. It's no wonder so many Christians are sick, broken, and dead. You see, everyone wants the blessing, but how many are willing to go through the covenant to get to the blessing? Say it out loud. Everybody wants the blessing, but how many are willing to go through the covenant to get the blessing? 
full gospel churches all over America are singing the blessings of Abraham are mine, but there's not a church anywhere singing the tithing system of Abraham is mine. But as the wet goes with the water, you can't have the one without the other. They go hand in hand. They are, in effect, two sides of the same coin. Number two, if you're taking notes, Jesus is the high priest of our tithe in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is the high priest of our tithe in the order of Melchizedek. And what is involved in the order of Melchizedek? Well, because there's only one historical reference to Melchizedek, it is impossible to mess this up. What is the order of Melchizedek? What type of priest is that? Melchizedek's function was to pronounce the blessing over Abraham, Melchizedek's function was to remind Abraham that the victory he had won and the plunder he had taken was because of God. Melchizedek's function was to collect the tithe from Abraham, the man who had the promises, the man who was walking in covenant with God Most High. Genesis 14, 18, then Melchizedek, (coughs) king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything, gave him a tenth of everything. So in order for the order of Melchizedek to take place, you need two things. You need a tithe and you need a priest. In order for the order of Melchizedek to take place, you need two things. You need a tithe and you need a priest. Well, the body of Christ has had the priest, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, but they haven't been showing up with a tithe. I said the body of Christ has had the priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, but they haven't been showing up with a tithe. Now, I know right now, I'm, I've been doing this 47 years, so I'm aware, even though, you know, We may not be totally packed out today, I realize. There are people right now, and in your mind, your mind's rebelling against all of this. Well, I just don't see that. I just don't believe that. I wasn't taught that. My last 15 pastors didn't teach it that way. My mama didn't told me I didn't have to tithe. My my wife says I don't have to tithe. I mean, on and on and on and on and on and on. People drone with their unbiblical nonsense. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. See, that's my job. At least I know my job. My job is not to entertain you. My job is to come down here and say, thus saith the Lord. Now, you, you just got to cope. Cope or bail. But all of my life, I've seen it. You know, I want to hear that. And, and they stay broke. They stay broke. Everybody here right now, arguing with me in your mind, you're broke. You're broke. You don't have a pot to pee in. We can go out right now and look at your car. I disagree with Dr. Gene Lingerfeld. Okay, let's go look at your car. See, in other words, okay, masking. 80% now of the American public is wearing masks, and, and the virus has not abated. They haven't slowed it down. They haven't stopped it. It hadn't done squat. Amen. So logic is gone. Critical thinking is over. Lockdowns. Florida's wide open. California has been locked down harder than any state for months. Disney World is wide open. Disneyland is shut down. But the cases, the hospitalizations, all of it in California are twice as high as Florida. So if people were thinking, they would say, that don't work. And if it don't work, why don't, and it's wrecked our economy, and U-Haul can't get enough trailers in here for people to leave us, then maybe we ought to deal with reality and stop doing this that doesn't work. 
Do you understand? Okay. Now, how many of us sitting here this morning, nice, nice middle-class congregation, would, would be in agreement, Governor Newsom's nuts? Well, Christians do the exact same thing. I don't believe that. I don't have to do that. My wife told me I don't have to do that. I mean, I've literally heard that, that a dozen times. My wife, my wife told me I don't have to tithe. Okay, but my point is, if the dog ain't hunting, Do you not have any logic skills? Do you not have any ability to uh, do critical thinking and say to yourself, when, when I came to this conclusion, I was broke. When my wife told me I didn't have to tithe, I was broke. Now 10 years have gone by, and I'm still broke. So maybe, A, she lied. B, she's a greedy little sucker and wants the tithe for herself. Or C, maybe she doesn't know what the heck she's talking about. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had a flat tire and you didn't have a, a motorized pump and you get out the bicycle pump? Has this ever happened to anybody but me? <clears throat> and you get out the bicycle pump and you know, and you know you're pumping, and this is not like pumping up a bicycle, this is pumping up a car tire, and you know you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, and then you take that off and you check the pressure and the pressure hasn't moved. <laughs> now, all liars go to hell. So let me see your hand if you've ever done that. I got my hand up, I got my hand up, look around the room. Okay, why aren't you still there pumping that pump? talking to me, why, why are you not still there pumping that pump? Because you came to the conclusion, something is amiss. <laughs> I think this tire's got a hole in it, right? You just don't keep doing the same stupid thing. But this is what people do. Now, I don't judge people wearing a mask because I don't know what their underlying health issues are. We ate at a little tiny hole in the wall, barbecue joint out in Mineral Wells, and some people come in with masks, mainly older people, some don't. I don't know. See, in other words, there are health issues. People have, people are at higher risk if they're obese, or maybe they've uh, I, somebody came and explained to me that <clears throat> they had just come through chemo. And so they were, I understand that. I don't judge it. But don't be telling me to do something that I know statistically doesn't bear any fruit. And besides, if, if you're wearing a mask, you're protected. What do I need one for? Well, pastor, you're not protected. I don't care. <laughs> Now, I'm not trying to use the crisis America is in to be humorous. I'm trying to use the crisis America is in to illustrate people. Logic is gone and critical thinking skills are gone. And so people keep doing the same crazy stuff over and over and over, even though it doesn't work. Now, this message is from the New Testament, and we're not going to the Old Testament, but in the Old Testament, it does say in Malachi, test me in this. The only time in the Word of God, God says, test me. Amen. And yet, how many of God's people have even bothered to do that? And then I'm supposed to feel bad because it's been working so good. <laughs> Forget that, man. I ain't feeling bad. It all went by so fast. I remember driving a $600 car. I remember having a $10 a week grocery budget. I remember telling Sue that I didn't know why she couldn't do a better job grocery shopping. <laughs> $10 a week. So I took a $10 bill and I went over to the grocery store. And I came back. 
and I had two grocery sacks of Doritos and Ruffles and, and all of that stuff. And Sue looked at that, and she said, well, that's all great, honey, but what are we going to eat? <laughs> so then I had to get another $10 out and send her back to the store. I've been through all that. I've been through all that. But the difference is we took action. When we had little, we took action. When other students over there at the seminary were eating out on their tithe or we, we knew one young couple, they, they bought, literally, they bought a Betty Crocker cake mix for every day of the week. And they invited us over for dinner one night, and man, she, she did one of those Betty Crocker cakes, and oh my gosh, and you know, they just got bigger by the minute. <laughs> and they, people were vacationing on their tithe, I'm sure, but you know, here's just Gene and Sue, man, living frugal, you know, just living frugal. And giving God the tithe, giving God the tithe, giving God the tithe, giving God the tithe, giving God the tithe. And you let 44 years go by, and then I was tithing before that. I've been tithing 60 years. Does it look like it hurt me? I'm 65 years old, I take no pills. I walk 2,000 miles a year, I have no pain in my body. I have all original parts. I've never been robbed. Never been broke into. Never been carjacked. The beating I took once was while I was preaching the gospel. The time we had AK-47s pointed at us. We were preaching the gospel. But other than that, I've been protected my whole life, been blessed my whole life. First promise God ever gave me, I was a little boy, and I was reading the Bible, and he just made the scripture alive about Jesus, how not a bone would be broken in his body. And the Lord told me, he said, that's true of you. You'll never have a bone broken in your body. But think about it. I was riding a Harley one day from California back over to Arizona. Got, the only way to do that is to go through Nevada. I'm going down a two-lane highway in Nevada. I'm on a Harley. I just had lunch. I fell asleep. Didn't wake up until the bike drifted off the tarmac over into the gravel. And anybody knows anything about motorcycle riding, you don't want to hit gravel at 60, 70 miles an hour. Never broke a bone been blessed and protected. Thank you, Father God, you protect me. Why don't you do that? Lift your hand and say, thank you, Father God, you protect me. Thank you, Father God, you bless me. Thank you, Father God, you prosper me. Amen. Everything I put my hand to, I was blessed at. So cookware, it's rated, you know, one of the top salesmen in the entire world, even though I was only working 20 hours a week, everything I've ever done, everything I've ever put my hand to. So Abraham got blessed when he showed up with a tithe. I said Abraham got blessed when he showed up with a tithe. So in order for this to work, you've got to have a priest and you've got to have a tithe. The high priest is connected to God and has the ability to bless your life with the physical manifestations of the promises of God and the covenant man has the ability to show up with a tithe. So you've got to have both the high priest and the covenant man showing up with a tithe. So here's how it worked for Abraham and I got to wrap it up. Abraham the covenant man showed up with a tithe. The priest Melchizedek received his tithe and connected the covenant man Abraham to him who had the promises to, to him who had the power to make the promises come to pass and that is God. Abraham presented the tithe to the priest Melchizedek and the priest blessed him who had the promises that is Abraham. So in order for this priesthood to work, in order for this order of Melchizedek to work, Jesus has got to have some covenant people, covenant people, covenant people. And the problem, quite frankly, is that his people have either been disobedient on the tithe or they have been ignorant of the blessings of the tithe. In order for this priesthood and the order of Melchizedek to work, someone's got to show up with a tithe.
You see, Jesus is certainly able to do his part, that is to bless your life, but you have a part to play. You've got to show up with a tithe. Say it out loud. I have a part to play. And I'm going to do my part. Say it again. I have a part to play. And I'm going to do my part. Number three, Jesus is the high priest of our tithe, and his priesthood is based on the power of an indestructible life. Look at Hebrews 7, 15 and 16, and what we have said is even more clear. If another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. And this is the power that God's people have done without God prophesied through his man David that he would not allow his holy one to see corruption but they took the holy one of God the only son of God the sinless son of God who never did any harm to anyone who was only a blessing everywhere he went and they brutally murdered him the worst form of capital punishment ever invented by man. And they murdered him, religious folks and government. And they murdered the Son of God. They anointed his body for burial and they laid him in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. But God had said, I will not allow my Holy One to see corruption because in him was the power of an indestructible life. Say it out loud. The power of an indestructible life. And that's what God's people have been leaving on the table because they have not walked in covenant with God. And frankly, too many preachers have presented the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as a fire insurance policy. Walk the aisle, say the prayer, and you're covered. We just saw last Sunday that we are enabled to participate in the divine nature through our knowledge of the promises. So our study of the word of God should never come to an end. Because it's through the scriptures we think we have eternal life. It's through the scriptures, it's through the promises that we connect to God and we participate in his divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's through this covenant, this financial covenant, which is basically an acknowledgement that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when I go out here and I earn money out here in this world... I owe the landlord his share. And then I'm free to just make all I want. As much as I want. And there's no guilt to it. See, all this guilt, this Christian guilt over prosperity is, comes from the non-tithing crowd. Well, how dare you have all that? <laughs> well, I'm walking in covenant with God. How dare you not have anything? He's wonderful. He's beautiful. He's gracious. He's kind. He loves us. He is our Father. But if we don't obey Him, if we don't obey Him, my God, they, they wrecked the churches in America being cool and taking the Bible out of the churches of America. I'm convinced these ministers don't pray and they're not reading the Bible because I've been doing this 60 years and it still scares me. Just in the last two days, I read about the northern 10 tribes falling and all of them going into captivity, captivity in Assyria. And the Assyrians, there was no more brutal regime that ever existed on the planet. You say, well, the Nazis were worse. You don't know anything about history. When they conquered a town, when they took a town, they killed the men, they killed the boys, they, they killed the women, they killed the children, and they cut the pregnant women open. 
They were brutal. And off God's people go into captivity. And then the southern two tribes, God warned them, God warned them, God warned them. If you don't get off this path, if you don't get off this path, if you don't get off this path, you're going to be like your kindred to the north. But they, they kept worshiping Chemosh. They kept worshiping Asherah. They kept worshiping the, the god Molech that demanded the sacrifice of their children. Sound familiar? And they kept worshiping Baal. And just a handful of laters, they were carried off into captivity. Yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, we're Christian people, you know, and I got my fire insurance policy. But if you do not obey, if you do not heed, if you do not follow, if you do not do, it's not that God's going to do a thing to you, but there's no protection. And Satan, how many of you would agree with this? Satan's running wild in 2021. So you left the door open. You left the door open. You left the door open. And here comes the thief. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he is having his way in America. He is having his way in D.C. He is having his way in the media. He is having his way in the movies. He is having his way on TV. He is having his way in state capitals. Satan is running wild. And I say it's because God's people would not simply be doers of the Word of God. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.